Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The important war message you have been expecting will be broadcast immediately after the Fibber McGee and Molly program. Keep tuned to this station. Here's the Johnson Wax program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Last week, I was glancing over one of the country's leading newspapers, and I noticed an article called Keeping Your House in Tune with the Times. You know, it made me feel right at home, for this is what I read. Preserving and protecting the surfaces around your house was once the sensible thing for a good housewife to do. Now it's a case of preserve or do without. The situation isn't as bad as it sounds if you take advantage of wax in any of its forms. Wax is not only a great preservative, but it's also a great time saver. For wax surfaces are more easily dusted because the dirt and dust remain on top and don't penetrate the layer of wax. Well, now, doesn't that sound just like H. Wilcox talking about Johnson's wax? I must remember to write them a letter. They've really got the right idea. There comes a tide in the affairs of men when they think they can write a book. Well, the tide is in at 79 Wistful Vista. And here, busily filling page after page of scratch paper, we find that persistent proponent of pithy prose, that peerless perpetrator of punchy paragraph, Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. So, grasping her in his strong arms, he kissed her tenderly on the forehead as she run her slender fingers through his dark curly hair, which she had first took his hat off so she could. <laughs> then, as a knock came at the door... McGee, I never heard such drivel in my life. What are you reading? I ain't reading. I'm writing. You're what? I'm writing a book. So that's what you've been doing the last few days. That's it. And I thought you were going over the household accounts. Household accounts, my clavicle. <laughs> Don't you worry about them, Molly. When the dough starts rolling in from this book, we'll have so much money, the, the government won't know what to do with it. Now, let's see. Where was I? Oh, yes. I was just getting to the place where my heroine, Maisie Laprine, has just met Lieutenant Fragwell. Just met him? Yeah. Last I heard, he was taking her into his strong, curly arms and was kissing her. <laughs> well, it was love at first sight. You see, he was coming down the street on roller skates while she was cleaning the front steps, and she swept him off his feet. Oh. Ah, I got some cute dialogue there. Oh, I'll bet you have. Yeah. But the plot really gets tore a little later on. This is a love story that'll have every woman in America dripping mascara. Oh, my. Where's my phone? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
running her fingers through his dark curly hair, which she had first took his hat off so she could. <laughs> then as a knock come at the door... Boy, is this realistic. Then as a knock come at the door... Look, Arthur, I hate to disillusion you, but that was a knock at the door. Hmm. Well, it's plagiarism, that's what it is. Come in. For goodness sakes, Abigail Luffington. Ah, how do you do, my dear? And Mr. McGee. My dear Mrs. Uppington, what a charming surprise. Do come in. <laughs> I say, Francois, chill another bottle of sparkling root beer for madame. Oh, I say, this is jolly, isn't it? <laughs> when was it we met last on the French Riviera, was it not? <laughs> oh, remember that romantic evening over the gaming tables at Monte Carlo? The night Fifi de Gumanac shot the duke? <laughs> How gay. I remember how the stars shone down like a million jewels on the velvet canopy of night. Um, uh, let's start over, Mr. McGee. I wasn't here when the game started. <laughs> Listen, don't mind him, Abigail. He's writing a book and he thinks he's E. Follop Sippenheim or somebody. Ah, yes. Fine chap, Ippenheim. I remember one afternoon we were sitting in a gay little cafe in the Latin Quarter. I remember it because I didn't know any Latin and Ippy didn't have a quarter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's great how those little experiences... Oh, look, come off your high horse, dearie, before it throws you. Oh, I find this very interesting, Mrs. McGee. Didn't think I could write a book, eh? I didn't think you could write, period. <laughs> oh, he's been working like a little beaver, Abigail. You betcha. Chew a tree down and build a dam for the lady, little beaver. <laughs> Okay, okay, deride. Laugh if you will, my fine feathered friends. But the time will come when you'll point to my picture in magazines and say, I know that man. That's Earl Stanley McGee, the author. Who? Earl Stanley McGee. That's my nom de prune. <laughs> I, um, I think you mean nom de plume, Mr. McGee. I mean nom de prune. I'm going to show the writing business some new wrinkles. <laughs> When you get the manuscript finished, dearie, let me give it to Uncle Dennis. Oh, is he acquainted with some publishers, my dear? Well, I think he is. I've often heard him say he knows every bookmaker in the country. <laughs> uh, you know, I suppose, that you should have a literary agent, Mr. McGee. A literary what? A literary agent. Someone to act as middleman for you, to make good arrangements with some publishing house, to protect your rights. Uh, you artistic people are so unbusinesslike, you know. Oh, yes, I suppose we are. <laughs> we authors live in a world of dreams, Abigail. <laughs> We're shy and practical creatures. We should be shielded from the cruder, the harsher aspects of life. Oh, my. Could you face the crude fact that your fountain pen is dripping on your pants leg, dear? Huh? <laughs> oh. Hey, Uppy, I thought you joined up with the wax. When do you go? Oh, I, I don't go, Mr. McGee. I... I was declined with thanks. Oh, that's too bad, Abigail. I'm so sorry. Now, that's a shame, kid. They should not have turned down a big, sensible girl like you. What was wrong? Uh, Mr. McGee, there was a time when I would have approached the answer to that question with some trepidation. Yes? I would have evaded a direct reply with all the delicate finesse at my command. Yes? But the cold, brutal fact remains that I'm too darn old. Oh, goodbye. <laughs>
the book coming along, Earl. Who? Earl. I thought that was your nom de prune. Earl Stanley McGee. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, I say, I think I'm coming along rather well, you know. <laughs> Top hole and all that. Working on a jolly situation at the moment. This lieutenant lad, uh, Fragwell, you know. Frightfully decent chap. Oxford and all that. Oh, listen, stop it. First thing I know, you'll start wearing a manacle. <laughs> If you mean eyeglass, my dear girl, the word is barnacle. It's no such a thing. A barnacle is a seashell that sticks to the bottom of a boat. I thought that was a binnacle. A binnacle is a collarbone. That's my clavicle. Well, then a binnacle is where they keep a ship's compass. You're thinking of a monocle. Well, then what are manacles? Handcuffs. That's what I said. You want to be arrested for murder? What do you mean? Well, you're killing me with that English accent. You answer the phone, will you, Molly? I got Lieutenant Fragwell at the bottom of a 40-foot cistern, and I got to figure a way to get him out. Well, let his girlfriend hold a big sirloin steak over the edge. <laughs> I'd jump 40 feet for that myself. Well, in this case, Molly nuisance the telephone. Hello, Fibber McGee speaking. Who? Oh, yes, this is Earl Stanley McGee, the novelist. Uh, oh, how do you do, Miss Cheltenham? Miss who? Oh, that would be jolly, of course, of course. <laughs> I should be happy to discuss the matter. Oh, rather. <laughs> yes, I shall carry on till you get here. Pip, pip. <laughs> you keep carrying on like that and I'll get the pip myself. <laughs> Who's Miss Cheltenham? She's an agent, a literary agent. She's going to sell my book. Ain't that wonderful? How'd she ever hear about you through a Ouija board? <laughs> oh, the word gets about about these things. Hey, I got to get busy. Now, don't let anybody bother me. Lock the door. This may mean millions. Yeah, but how are you getting Lieutenant Fragwell out of the cistern? Easy. I just start the next chapter by saying, once safely out of the cistern, <laughs> Fragwell made his way to the nearest Barumba. What's a Barumba? That's an Abyssinian word meaning railroad. Do the Abyssinians know that? They will when they read the book. <laughs> now, remember, Molly, I got to work fast. I, I, I ain't home to anybody. If the doorbell bell rings, don't tell them... I'm afraid Lieutenant Baruma will have to wait in the fragwell for a minute, dearie. Come in. Hello there, kids. What you doing? I'm trying to write a book if I can get some peace and quiet around here. Well, you go right ahead, Johnny. Me and daughter won't let anybody bother you. Fine. Wanted to be a storybook writer once myself, but the grammar got me. Oh. Teacher says I didn't know a subject from a pelican. <laughs> you mean a predicate. I do? Ain't a predicate one of them little salty crackers that you get with a glass of beer? <laughs> That's a pretzel. Well, they're dangerous things. <laughs> Grandpa had one go off right in his face once. Didn't know it was loaded. It was an old horse pretzel that he had... Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Don't you mean horse pistol? I sure do, daughter. Grandpa was in the horse pistol for three weeks. <laughs> the day nurse and night nurse... That's a hospital. Yes, sir. Most hospital folks Grandpa ever lived with. I think you mean they were hospitable. No, no, they took his chewing tobacco away from him when he went in. <laughs> Grandpa always said... Look, old-timer, look. Can't you stop changing the subject? No, I can't, Johnny. Teacher always told me I couldn't tell a subject from a pelican. Listen, but you don't mean pelican. Why don't I? Because a pelican is a big bird. You're telling me, Johnny. Teacher gave me a bird so big it blew me out of school and I never went back. <laughs> well, I won't bother you, Johnny. So long, daughter. <laughs> Keep 
All right, Earl Stanley McStuff. <laughs> you go to work on your masterpiece, and I'll stand here and guard the door like voracious at the bridge. <laughs> you mean voracious. Voracious means having a big appetite. Well, this whole, this whole thing is strictly from hunger. Oh. <laughs> so you get busy, and I'll... Hello, folks. Am I intruding? Oh, frankly, old chap, yes, you oh, are. <laughs> I say, old fellow, would you mind frightfully, old radish, if I ask you to stop by another time? <laughs> That's a good fellow. <laughs> What's the matter with him, Molly? Did he fall asleep in a Ronald Coleman movie? <laughs> He's writing a book, Mr. Wilcox. He thinks that phony Piccadilly accent gives him a certain air. It does. Why don't you open a window? <laughs> oh, now I say, old broom. Stop it, <laughs> You sound like some dentist that just fitted you with the London Bridge. <laughs> Molly, what's this about him writing a book? Well, let me tell you about it, Junior. You see, my hero, Lieutenant Fragwell of the Navy... The Navy? Yeah. Hey, could you say something about battleship linoleum and then sneak in a few words about Johnson's glow coat? This is a novel, Wilcox, not an advertising folder. Anyway, he falls in love with a girl named Maisie Laprine because she reminded him of his mother. And you remind me of my mother. Oh, McGee reminds you of your mother, Mr. Wilcox? Yes, when he's happy and excited like this, he acts just like my mother used to when she was telling somebody about glow coat. How easy it was to use, now it shines as it dries. Are you going to let me tell about my book? Oh, excuse me, go ahead. Well, just as Fragwell and Maisie are on their way to the house to get married, up comes a messenger in a cloud of dust. So what's a little dust? Oh. With Johnson's glow coat, dirt and dust, wipe right up with a damn cloth. And anyway, glow coat protects You better him. let him go on, Mr. Wilcox. He's turning green. Oh, pardon me. Well, then what, Fibber? It's a message for Lieutenant Fragwell to report for duty. The marriage is off. He's been called back into the service. Well, the surface is an important thing. <laughs> if you protect the surface of your linoleum against dirt and wear, it'll almost last forever because glow coat is the I finest... didn't say surface. I said service. C-E-R-V-I-S-E. -E, service. <laughs> You see, Fragwell is a West Pointer. Now, hold on. Wait a minute, McGee. If Lieutenant Fragwell was in the Navy, why did he go to West Point? Ah, wouldn't Hitler like to know that? <laughs> Military secrets. Hey, where are you going, Junior? Don't you want to hear the finish, Mr. Wilcox? No, I don't think I do, Molly. You see, I'm so used to sparkling, gleaming, immaculate wax coating that Johnson's glow coat gives, it spoiled me for inferior finishes. Oh. Well, I'll see you again. <laughs> of all the unappreciative, inferior finishes, my clavicle. I tell you, the ending of my book has got a wallop that'll tear your heart out. Well, what is it? I don't dare tell. But get this, Molly. After the book ends, I'm inserting three pages of crossword puzzles. Oh. Just to give the readers a chance to calm down. Oh. This book has got such a smash climax that I don't want to be responsible for people going hayseed. You mean haywire. I thought haywire was a movie actor. That's hayward. What is hayward? Buy the bail? I'll buy the bail if it's cheap enough. Oh, stop what are we talking about? Come in, thank goodness. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm sorry, sis. Whatever it is, we don't want any. We got all the linens we need. And if it's magazines, you're wasting your time because I... Are you Mr. McGee? Yes, I am, sis. And let me tell you again... I am Virginia Cheltenham, the literary agent. Oh, oh you... Yeah. Oh, gee, if I, if I don't even... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Got caught with your accent down, didn't you, dearie? <laughs> Come in, Miss Virginia Ham. Cheltenham. Virginia Cheltenham. I suppose you're a mighty proud girl to have a father who could write a book. She ain't my father. <laughs> I'm her mother. Oh, excuse me. Miss Cheltenham, my wife, Molly. How do you do, I'm sure. Your wife? Oh, how splendid. Uh, let me tell you something about myself, Mr. McGee. 
I am a literary agent of long standing. Oh. Have a chair, Chelt? <laughs> I beg your pardon. Oh, oh yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, Mr. McGee, are you familiar with serial rights, motion picture rights, dramatic rights, foreign translations, and the other hundred things regarding which a busy author must protect himself? Heavenly days. And I thought an author just wrote a book and took his money and boom, that was that. No, I, I never knew there was so much to it, Miss, uh, or, uh, sis. I... Well, they are all very important. Uh-huh. I was having tea one afternoon with, uh, now let me see, there was Red and Jack and Elle and Ernie. Who are they? Uh, Red, uh, that's Red Lewis, of course. Sinclair Lewis, you know. Uh. Oh, yes, I read his book, uh, Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. Disappointed, though, no Indians in it. <laughs> Who are them other guys? L, uh, that's Ellery Queen, uh, oh. Ernie Hemingway, and Jack Steinbeck. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Did you ever do any business with Charlie and Vic? Who, Mrs. McGee? Charlie and Vic. You know, Charlie Dickens and Vic Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, Miss Cheltenham, now here's about my book. This Lieutenant Fragwell... I shall want to read the manuscript myself, Mr. McGee. Well, it ain't finished. Uh, Pardon me. I I got three chapters to go. Well, I'll take it as is. A manuscript needn't necessarily be complete to make a sale, you know. Oh, swell. Well, this Lieutenant Fragwell... Now, my usual business procedure is this, Mr. McGee. Yes? I take full responsibility for the promotion and sale of all rights in your literary work. Oh, I see. You The King's Men sing, and still the Volga flows. Still the Volga flows Through silent valleys that must learn to sing again When every field and plain is bearing golden grain Then every voice will rejoice in spring again And still Heartbeat of defiant winter snows. The star will rise again in peaceful skies again, and never fall while the Volga flows. Here was once a city whose broken walls from dust will someday rise. And barren will lift again their heads of shining grain, and hearts will have no pain to remember. But now, now the battle rages through the city, and the meadow with its Heartbeat of a nation with 
Did you say Miss Cheltenham uh, took the manuscript with her? Yeah, and you know what? Uh, first, she's going to sell it to maybe a magazine like the Red Book or maybe Time Magazine. Time Magazine doesn't run novels. Well, she says they will when they see this one. <laughs> it's going to make history, she says. And then she says she'll sell it to maybe Random House as a book. You know them. They, they printed that book, I, I Lost My Garters. Oh, and she's, huh? I Lost My Garters. I don't remember that book. Oh, well, maybe that wasn't exactly... Oh, no, it was uh, The Last Time I Saw Paris. Oh. <laughs> then she'll have it dramatized into a Broadway play and then sell it to the movies. Why, gee whiz, we might... Hey, maybe that's a messenger with a check from some publisher. Maybe a thousand bucks. Now, maybe... now, don't start counting your chickens just because you've laid an egg, dearie. <laughs> Come in. Well, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Hi, Wimple, old man. How's everything? Have a cigar. Take two. I'm getting some better ones anyway. Oh, no, thank you, Mr. McGee. My wife doesn't permit me to smoke. Oh, not at all, Mr. Wimple? Not at all, Mrs. McGee. She thinks anyway. <laughs> but I fool her sometimes. You do, eh? Yes. Maybe when you have corn on the cob next summer, you'll save me the corn silk. You smoke corn silk? Yes, but don't look so shocked, Mrs. McGee. I don't inhale. <laughs> but why are you wearing that green eye shade, Mr. McGee? I've been writing a book, Wimp. Going to make me a fortune, too. I'll send you an autographed copy. I do the lighthearted, gay, sophisticated stuff, like Somersault Mall. Somerset, McGee. Yeah, I know. Summer a little set, but I ain't. I can write like Somersault Mall or anybody else. Oh, that's the sort of thing I always wanted to write before I turned to free verse. Incidentally, Mr. Wimple, why do they call it free verse? Did you ever try to sell any of it? <laughs> well, no, I never have. You ever do any serious writing, Wimp? You know, I might be able to give you a few pointers. Plot, motivation, and all stuff like that there. Oh, I did do one short story, Mr. McGee, when I was single. Mm-hmm. I called it The Dreamer. Oh, that's nice. Then I wrote a sequel to it after Sweetie Face and I were married. Oh, what was the title of that? The Awakening. <laughs> You know, Mr. Wimple, you don't look very well. Have you been ill? Oh, no, Mrs. McGee. I'm really quite... Oh, I guess you didn't hear about my terrible experience. What was that, Wallace? You know that horrible rainstorm we had last week? Yeah. Well, I was nearly drowned. I must have swallowed five gallons of water. Well, don't you know enough to come in out of the rain, Wimp? Oh, I was in, Mr. McGee. Oh. I didn't stir one little tippy-toe outdoors all evening. <laughs> Well, then how did you swallow all that water? Oh, our ceiling started to leak like everything, and Sweetie Face said, Oh, Wallace, what'll I do? And I said, Put a pan under it, silly. And she did. Mine. Well, that was a dirty trick, Wimp. One of these days, that woman is going to go too far. <laughs> yes, and I hope she stays there. <laughs> You know what I'm going to do with the first $50,000 I make off my book? I'm going to buy... Tell my... me later, dearie. I've got to take these tea things out. You wait, Molly. One of these days you'll look back and wonder how we could live in a dump like this. Ah, there's a little woman that's going to have a dozen pairs of silk stockings if I have to stand over those silkworms with a horse whip. <laughs> yes, sir. She don't... Oh, come in, come in, come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, little girl. Did you hear about my book? Hmm? I said, did you hear about my book? You got a book? What do you mean, if I got a book? I just wrote one. I'm an author. You're another what? Not another anything. I says, I'm an author. I wrote a book about a young naval lieutenant named Tradwell who falls in love with a girl. 
Well, gee, what'd you think he'd fall in love with a horse? Don't be so fresh, kid. Remember, a hairbrush ain't exactly obsolete as part of a child's education. I don't get it. One more smart crack and you will. Oh. Now, look, haven't you got any place to go but here? Sure. I gotta go down to the Bontown department store and return these tiddly wings. What's the matter with them? Too much tiddly and not enough wings. <laughs> well, look, let me tell you more about my book. You see this, Lieutenant Cragwell? Show me a picture, mister, please, will you, will you please? Oh, I'm sorry, sis. I, uh, I, 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 I uh, used up all the paper right in my book. I Here. Can't well, draw it on, on the back of this piece of paper, mister. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, first I'll draw up... Yeah. Hey. Hey, where'd you get this piece of paper? Hmm? This is part of my book. I found it. What? It was in that green box down by the corner, you know, the one that says, help keep our city clean. (laughs) Gee, it's just full of papers like this, mister. It's full of papers? Mm -hmm. You mean my book is stuffed into a trash can? Oh, no, no. You're kidding, ain't you, sis? Tell me you're kidding. Yeah, and get that hairbrush? (laughs) No, no, this is terrible. Hey, Molly. I heard the whole thing, McGee. Oh, this is all a mistake. Where's that agent's phone number? I'll call her. I already I'll... called it, and there isn't any such number. You oh. better go home, little girl. Yeah, yeah, beat it, sis. I'll see you later. Okay, mister. Oh, boy. Oh, I boy. knew that woman was no good. Who, me? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not you, sis. Oh, goody. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, All that work for nothing. My career... How much money did she take you for, me? Well, gee whiz, she sounded legitimate. How much did she get? Well, she asked me for 500 to promote the book, advertising and stuff. How much did you give her? Then she come down to 250 and I said... How much did she get? All I had. 27.75. Oh, what a fool I've been. Well, it was a pretty cheap lesson at that. Huh? Now forget it and tell me what you want for supper. Oh, am I ever the chumper? Yes, yes, dearie, I know. But what do you want for supper? Ah, put some oats in a pail. What? Yeah. As long as I made a jackass out of myself, I might as well eat like one. Have you noticed an increase in neighborliness in recent months? With less driving around, there's more visiting back and forth. I'm sure that in many homes tonight, friends and neighbors are sitting around listening to this program together. The makers of Johnson's Wax are glad they can bring Fibber and Molly into your home. And they want me to thank you again for your continued loyalty to all Johnson's Wax products. All of us on the show are happy to be working for a company whose products are so helpful in these times. The regular use of Johnson's Wax protects your floors, furniture, and woodwork at a time when conservation is so vital. It saves you many hours of work when manpower and woman power are so important. And besides, it makes your home more beautiful and more sanitary because a waxed home is a clean home. I say, old girl, this has been quite a day, eh? What? <laughs> Jolly old novel gone up the spout and all that? Oh, stop it. Huh? You sound like a bundle from Britain delivered by mistake. <laughs> oh, I, I don't get it, old girl. 
You keep calling me old girl and you'll get it all right. <laughs> hey, oh, tally ho. Good night, huh? <laughs> Characters of the old-timer and Wallace Wimple heard on this program were played by Bill Thompson. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company.